behind the closed doors of tech startup boards. The board is a really strong asset for tech startups, or it can be. With board members, the right ones, providing access to a wide international network, industry know-how, and strong expertise in building new ventures. But as the interaction takes place behind closed doors, there is a lot of uncertainty about how the founder, the CEO, and director dynamics really play out. How open is the communication between them? What are investor expectations that are met or not met? How frequent are challenges and vetoes? To get some data points to answer these questions, I'm delighted to speak with authors of research on this topic. Yael Benjamin, founder and CEO of startup Snapshot Research, and Zach Weisfield, general manager of Intel Ignite. Welcome to the BetterBots podcast series. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of BetterBots. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at BetterBots is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. BetterBots clients have access to an innovative digital platform that provides data and comparisons on all dimensions of effective boards. They can use the platform for their internal as well as part of their external evaluation. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating better boards. Zach and Yael, thank you so, so much for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series. Thank you, Sabine, for having us. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Yael, I was attracted. We connected on LinkedIn and I saw some of the results of your research on the board of directors of private tech companies, young private tech companies. And I was quite intrigued by it, and which led to this invitation. Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about some of the key findings and the conclusions. Definitely. So we collected data from over 200 CEOs of uh, startups and their board members to really understand the dynamics of what happens behind the closed doors of the boardroom of, you know, these are private companies, there's no reporting. So there's really a lot of, you know, question marks over what happens within the boards. And we work together with Sachi and his team at Intel Ignite. So it's really great to have him on now and kind of discuss a little bit of the real world stories behind the data points. But I think one of the main, main conclusions that came out of the research, and this is kind of the guiding pillar throughout everything, is the focus on communication, or we'll call it the lack of communication and transparency between tech CEOs and their directors. So 61% of CEOs reported that they're not fully transparent with their board. So a lot of them are, you know, waiting to report difficulties when they come up, they're sugarcoating major challenges, and they're trying to, we'll call it a certain artificial sense of control when things get tough. So there's a lot of uncertainty with building a startup, a lot of uncertainty in the market, obviously in the product, in the team itself, fundraising, and they're trying to really be in sales mode with their board of directors and show how they have everything under control and are really struggling to show a little bit more vulnerability or authenticity. Wow. One would assume so almost, but what do you think is behind this phenomenon, Zach, maybe? Yeah, so, well, there are a variety of reasons. So startup founders may not be fully transparent with their board, uh, board of directors, due to fear of judgment and criticism, right? In some cases, they've just uh, went through a founding round, right? And 
And there's a group of investors now sitting on the board that just invested based on the fact that they believe that the founder can deliver and now coming to the board and showing vulnerability or showing weakness is uh, sometimes frightening. People are afraid of doing so. There's a desire to maintain control and decision-making, right? Who makes decision? Who is in the right position to make decision? Is the founder or CEO is in a position to make decisions or they, they don't know what's, what's going on? So it's uh, there are a variety of reasons. The other thing is sometimes there's a feeling that the board that may meet, you know, once a quarter or, you know, depends, do they really understand the operational challenges that the founders are going through? So why even bother with the details? They just don't get it, right? And, and I'm sure we're going to talk later about, you know, the trust and, and communication between the board and the founders, but there, there are a variety of reasons. Uh, also remember, in most cases, the founders are always fundraising. So it doesn't matter if it's in six months or 12 months or 18 months or whatever, they're going to come back raising funding and they want to make sure that the, their board members, there are many cases, their investors feel comfortable investing in them. So they may not want to share stuff that they feel takes away the confidence from these investors. So again, variety of reasons. And I may agree or disagree with these, these uh, feelings, but these are part of the reasons. Yeah, no, I was attracted to the whole topic because I was in the in the situation myself. So I could very much relate to the findings, to be honest. Now, this lack of transparency between investors, directors and CEOs is creating, of course, a lot of challenges in the boardroom. And the board can't really be effective if this trust isn't there, if they don't have the full data set don't fully understand the context. So tell us a bit about the data around how are boards and how are CEOs dealing with these challenges? Yeah, definitely. I, I think, like you said, the lack of transparency is leading on the one hand to a lot of challenges and on the other hand to a situation where CEOs really can't tap into the value from the board. You know, we could talk about that element later. But um, in terms of the challenges, a large percent, 43% of the CEOs we surveyed reported that they have a difficult director on their board. So they're really, you know, these directors, it's not that they're helping them and adding value, they're actually making their lives more difficult. You know, they're pushing back on management decisions, they're fueling heated debates. And what we're seeing is that they're also really using veto rights. So 28% of startups said that their board exercised at least one veto. So they're using it as a way to block some sort of management decision that they don't agree with. And I think that's, you know, that's a really alarming stat that we definitely have to discuss and a lot of questions about kind of whose responsibility it is to, to prevent the vetoes. But on the side of the, of the CEOs and the founders, we're really seeing kind of the inexperience that these teams are raising a lot of money. They're very quickly jumping from a situation where they might have, you know, a year or two ago where you were raising these huge rounds really quickly. So you would jump from a situation where you had an angel investor to right away having a board and it could be large international funds. And these founders are really inexperienced and don't know how to manage this entire board situation. And it's leading to vetoes and other challenges. Now, the interest of the CEO and the interest of the investor surely are aligned because everyone wants that the company progresses, that it grows in revenues and etc. So what makes this really so difficult? So I want to go back to a point that Yael mentioned is about the experience. There's a difference between first-time founders and people that are trying to manage 
or work with the board for the first time versus the more experienced founders that have a better handle on the governance of their startup. And also it depends on the kind of investors you have on your board and how many of them have been operators before, how many of them have ran their own companies versus people that are you know, professional investors. That's what they do. They're financial people. That's what they're doing in life. And they're managing money for LPs. So first, you know, go back to that point. It, it really depends on the personalities. Now, the responsibility to prevent the conflicts and vetoes is shared, right? It's shared between the CEO and the board members. I do believe that at the end of the day, the CEO is responsible for leading the company and managing the day-to-day operations and managing the board and investors. But again, the question is, do they have enough experience, enough resilience to do this? Because again, some of their board members are highly experienced and, and they go to them to get their funding. So it is complex. These are the reasons it's, it's complex. I think both parties should work towards transparency, open dialogue, you know, mutual respect, but it's not always easy to achieve. And I was actually surprised to see the stats. Yeah, I'll just mention the 43% of, of having um, a tough board to handle and the amount of veto, veto rights being exercised. It's fairly high, but again, it really depends on the way that the founder manages the situation. So we'll talk about ways to deal with that, but it's, it's, it is challenging. And at the end of the day, it's the CEO should lead the way. And the CEOs that are young and unexperienced need to get the right kind of uh, mentorship to be able to be in that position. I mean, and, and finding the right mentor is very, very challenging and very difficult, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, more and more people have time constraints and are overbooked. So to really getting access to a, a good mentor means that you already need to be on quite a trajectory because otherwise you don't even get this mentor. And it's this part when you are still trying to get this trajectory. I would be interested in your insights to hear what have you seen working? From uh, getting a mentor and advisor? Getting a mentor and an advisor, but also managing uh, this situation. What do good CEOs, in your view, really do? So, as you said, it's not, not an easy thing to find that advisor that will be, will be valuable. You know, one of the things that we drive through our program, through Ignite, is we work really hard to find former CEOs, people that used to run companies, managed boards, went through, you know, hired, fired, exited, went through the whole process, but also they don't actively manage a company right now. So they have enough time and bandwidth to help others. And usually these people, because many cases they've been helped, they're happy to carry it forward and, and help others be successful. But you need to find these people. And there are a lot of consultants. I would stay away. For this case, you don't need a consultant. You need a practitioner, someone that ran a company, manage a board, and can help you with the intricacies and be the person that's on your side. Super critical. Someone you can tell everything and then figure out how do you take these things to the board? Because at the end of the day, you have to tell your board everything. The question is, how do you do it, right? You know, one of the things I always say to the founders I work with, and I work with thousands of startups throughout the years. That's what I do for a living. And I always say to the startups, never surprise your board. You cannot go into a board meeting and surprise your board members with anything. You need to be prepped. They need to be prepped. 
you need to manage it. The same as you manage a customer, you need to manage your board members. It's critical. But then again, they need to know what's happening with the company and you need to prepare yourself in the way you present it, the way you prep for it. And having that experienced CEO as your advisor is critical and will go, go a long way. And I would even say your future valuation is going to be based on how good of a work you're going to do with that advisor. Now, one of the key things for not just founders, but critical for founders is networking, right? How to build a network that would connect you with these people, because in many cases, they're not going to be part of your circle, but yeah. someone else would know them and will be able to connect you with them. Some cases, there'll be an investor, maybe on your board even, that could connect you with someone like that. But that's a little bit more complex because the question will always be, does that person is on your side or on the investor side? Joining a program, an accelerator, a program that is built on mentorship and building your network from there, many cases, it's a good way to get, get into it. And just meeting, you know, meeting as many people as you can and sharing your challenges and, and asking for help is always good. And you'll find someone that there'll be this chemistry with them. And they'll have the right experience, but you will also have this chemistry and you feel that that's a person you could open up with and talk to. I want to suggest um, one more topic that also you know, came out of the research. And I think this is a great way to help, let's say, first time or younger founders is to have an independent board member. Since, like you said before, it's actually most startup boards, it's the investors of the company. And they obviously have some sort of uh, interest in, you know, in how the company develops and things play out. And we saw that, you know, 60%, around 60% of startups do not have an independent board member. And that's a great way to kind of get someone unbiased into the board. They can help you manage it. They can meet with also the, the different investors beforehand and help you kind of prep them for the meeting to prevent any vetoes or conflicts. So two questions to jump in there. First, Zach, outside of being a business accelerator or a, a classical program, where do founders really find these people they need? What type of networking events do you suggest? It's through the network and asking for connections, right? Asking for, you know, meeting with people that exited, you know, looking at founders, startup founders, their current startup either folded down or, or sold or whatever. You know, these are many times good times to find someone that be willing to put some time in helping others. But it's really building a network, building a network around you. And many of it will come from, you know, events you're going to go, investors you're going to meet, variety of people. Ask your VCs for introductions. Ask your lawyer for introductions, people that could help you, people that are willing to spend time with you. And it's dating, right? It's like dating. And you need to find the ones that uh, make sense. And you connect that to the point that Yael made on that independent board member. The one biggest advantage of having... A mentor uh, as the independent board member, they could help you analyze post board meetings what happened in the meeting. Because many times you're so busy pitching and selling and telling, you know, explaining how things are, et cetera, that you may miss some of the signals that are happening in the room. And it's really, really crucial. And we teach companies also to do it in sales conversations, have someone that listens, someone that looks, collects signals understands what happened because you may have may have not noticed the signals. So have as long and, and as big as network as you can go out and talk to as many people. I think I, I, fly, I always said to the people don't fly as often as they used to after COVID, but you know, talk to as many people on your, <laughs> on your flight, you're going to connect 
to people that are relevant and in trade shows and variety of places. And you don't need many, you need one. You need one really good advisor that's going to help you carry through. And, and some of the startups I work with, and I've introduced them to a mentor 11, 12 years ago, these mentors sometimes are still on their board, you know, 12 years later. And that's just a mentor that I introduced them to and, and it worked well and uh, the advice is worth a lot. Okay, Let, let's move on to the question of an independent director. I mean, an independent director very often, of course, wants to get paid or wants to have a stake in the business. A really good independent one is, is very busy. So again, how shall a startup that hasn't proven itself yet really get hold of these really good independent directors? What have you seen working, Yael? I think it's similar to what Sachi said. I definitely see in the local market in Israel tech, you know, it's a very developed ecosystem and there's a lot of uh, founders that have exited and are now advisors and they sit on boards of, you know, different startups that they help. It can also be in later stage companies. You have to think what's the relevant experience that this kind of independent board member can bring, whether it's more operational experience or finance experience. So I see a lot, a lot of people that are available to these types of opportunities. And they're, you know, if they're ex-founders themselves, they are willing to take the risk in these earlier stage companies. So let's zoom out of this discussions a bit and look at the overall value of a board for really young companies, startup companies. What conclusions did you draw from the data, Yael? Yeah, so that connects to what we said before, that the lack of transparency is, like we discussed, causing challenges, but it's also preventing CEOs from really maximizing the value that they get from their board. So the board is a super strong asset for an early stage startup. So the board members, investors have a huge international network. They're connected to other funds. A lot of them were founders that have exited themselves. So they have a lot of industry expertise. They've seen companies, you know, from formation until exit. But somehow we're seeing that CEOs are not able to tap into this value. So in all the metrics that we surveyed, investors really overestimated the value that they're providing mm -hmm. versus what those CEOs said that they're actually receiving. So that could be on, you know, strategic advice, be an access to network or help with fundraising. The directors are really overestimating the value that they provide. And what we're seeing come out of the data is kind of the why behind that. As we said before, CEOs are not transparent. So 81% of directors said that they want the CEOs, you know, to be transparent and give them tasks to help with to say, you know, I want an intro to XYZ. I need help now, you know, hiring a head of sales, but only a really small percent of CEOs are comfortable asking for help. Only 30% said that they would feel comfortable doing that. So they're really afraid to ask. They're afraid to open up, like we said before, and say what they need help with. And that's really preventing kind of the value add that the board is supposed to provide. But, you know, in our board evaluations, we actually see this divide also in larger companies that the non-executive directors very often overestimate the value add they contribute versus the perception of the executive team. And this divide seems to be there across industries. We see this across countries. So I don't think it's specific to small companies, to be honest. Yeah, it might be maybe a bit more extreme because the founders of the small companies uh, have usually less experience to evaluate than these VC partners seems, you know, they've done so many companies before, they're invested in so many companies, they sit on many boards, and it seems 
just a really big uh, difference. And also, it, usually it's part of, the, um, part of the investment promise, right? To come and take money for me because I'm going to do so many things for you versus maybe, maybe someone else, right? So I think this is where early stage founders specifically have the biggest gap. And look, I may get in trouble for what I'm going to say now with a lot of my friends. I have a lot of friends that are, you know, VCs and sit on some of the boards of companies that I work with. But the reality is, so first of all, VC partners in many cases are too many boards. Yeah. And do they really have the time to know, understand and invest the time needed for helping their company? No, they don't. And they don't do that. And although it's potentially they have the connections, potentially they can use them. One, they don't have the time to do it properly. Second, they're trying to manage that connection budget, right? I can connect you with the CEO of Bank of America, but I'm not going to do it every day. So I'm only connect the one startup that I really want to help now. And the others, you know, may wait for another time. So there's that point. Um, Many VCs do not deliver more value than their cash, And I think actually there are few that do deliver exceptional value, but they're very, very few. And that goes back. It's like when we talked about, you know, selecting your advisor, your mentor, you need to select a partner that's going to invest in you. And the best way to select that partner is to actually go out and do your due diligence and talk to companies that they're invested into and see who is on the board of a company, you know, and go and ask the founders, do they see any value from that VC partner? In some cases, by the way, angels carry more weight than long-standing brand VC partners. Yeah. And they're more engaged. And, and that goes also back to one of other point is it really also depends on the background and experience of that person. Usually when you have an investor on your board that has been a founder before, they understand much better what you need. And they may help you more than, again, the financial investors, right? Because they understand you much, much better. And maybe the last point I would say, uh, part of the challenge is with the long-standing VCs, people get, they get bored on the board. <laughs> they get stale, their connections sometimes get old, and you need to take that into account as well. Many times I see, actually, it's almost contrary to the way people think, but I see younger investors working way harder for their startups than the ones that have been doing that for way too long time. And I'm asked again, sorry from all my friends that I've just offended, but I think that's the reality. I mean, I look at the time, so sadly we have to come to an end. And we always end these podcasts with the same question. What are the three things our listeners should take away from this podcast? I'll provide one. So I think it's the, the theme that we kind of discussed this whole episode, which is communication. Founders, CEOs have to be really mindful about how they communicate with their board of directors and understand that that communication is going to really prevent challenges and is going to help you access value from your board members. So if you need advisors to help you on what's the best way to kind of manage and communicate with your board, then that's amazing. I mean, that could be a great, great way forward. But you have to be really active and mindful about how you're managing and communicating with your board members. Thank you. It's luck. Great. So I would say three things. First one we talked a lot about is choose your mentors, choose your board members, choose who you take money from. And I understand that sometimes you have no choice and you need to take it from whoever is willing to give it to you, but really treat it the same as you pick, or hopefully the same as you pick your co-founder or your spouse or you know someone else that you know is going to be a critical supporter for your journey. So 
put as, as much time and effort into choosing the people that are going to be there with you for the journey and the ones that you're going to um, rely on for advice and support. Second, don't forget you're in control. It's not, you know, the board is not managing your company. No one else is managing your company. You're managing your company. And uh, you should be in the equity position and in the mindset that you're in control. And by the way, sometimes it goes back to how do you develop your own resilience? So go and take therapy or figure out how do you build your own resilience in that journey? And the third thing, you asked about the value of the board and what value they drive. Help them help you. Because in many cases, again, they're not going to put the time to figure out who they should connect you in a certain company or come to them and say, hey, here are the two names of people that are relevant to my world and are working at that, you know, Boeing or Citibank or whatever. And it'd be great if you can help me connect. That's great. Or even, not even, <laughs> write the email for them that explains in, in a way that they could actually send it, not, not don't exaggerate. Send in the email, say, look, if you could introduce me to that, these and that person, they'll be really valuable. And here's the email you can use to do that. That's going to work so much for you. And sometimes you just think I'm going to ask and it's going to happen. It's not going to happen because it takes too much effort on the other side. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much, Gael and Zach, for contributing to the Better Boats podcast series. Thank you. Thank you very much. How can we help you and your board? We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. If you have an idea for a podcast, if you would like to hear a podcast on a certain topic, if you are interested in our work or would like to see a demo of the platform, get in touch. You can best reach us at info at better-boards.com. Thank you for listening. <music>